continues to uh, uh, progress here. Uh, this is, this is uh, sermon number one, two, three, four, seven in the series. I don't know how long we're going to go, but uh, we'll just see. But uh, Red Letter Revival, I hope you're enjoying it. I hope that on your own, you're reading a lot of those, those red letters in your Bible. They would be in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then there's a little bit in Revelation. So just flip through the Bible and find those red letters and really begin to soak in them because truly, truly, the words and life of Jesus Christ is what this hinges on. It is the crux of all that we do here. And uh, it's just so fun to be kind of returning to that. So turn, open your Bibles with me to Matthew 5. We've been uh, plowing through the Beatitudes slowly, but we're making it through. Remember, I call them the beautiful attitudes. And I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, the last couple of times, I'm going to just go ahead and start from verse 1 there. And let's do a quick, uh, get a run and start at this. How many of you guys love running starts at sermons? So we're kind of backing up. We're going to get going and, and make this thing happen. So verse 1, now when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, blessed. Now that word blessed, remember, is fortunate, happy, blessed, just all those kinds of words. Okay, so be thinking that, that this, this is kind of where it's at. This is where we want to be. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. A very quick review. Poor in spirit means that there's absolutely nothing inside of us that we can do to make life work. We have to come to the point where even though God has given us so much, but when we stand before God Almighty, there's nothing in me. And for what I'm asked to do day in, day out, day in, day out, if I have to do it on my own strength, I am going to run out. But if I become poor in spirit, that I'm not standing there going, I can do this, I can do this. If I become poor in spirit where I say, Lord Jesus, I can't do any of this without you. I need you. I am so poor inside of me. My need for you is so great. When you become that, then you become blessed. And yours is the kingdom of heaven. Secondly, those who mourn. And we talked a lot about that. We're going to talk a little bit more about that here today, about mourning. Why mourn? You mean somebody died? No, not necessarily somebody died. Yes, actually, somebody died. You died. When you sinned, you died. When you sin, when you break the commandments of God, death comes into your world and into your life. And the Bible, Jesus is calling out to us that we would begin to mourn over the sin that is in the world and in our lives. That we would not become just nonchalant. That would not, we would not become just, just kind of, uh, what's the word when you don't feel it anymore? Callous. What's another? There's another good word. Apathetic. That's a good one. Let's take that. Apathetic to, to the sin in our own souls and around us. But that we would mourn. That we would feel it. That we would forsake it. And then we could be comforted. Finally, blessed are those who, no, not finally, but next, those who are meek, for they will inherit the, the world. When you are meek, you give up your right to defend yourself. You give up the right to, uh, to just lash back, all that. You need to listen to that sermon. It was a good one. It was really good. Still is just reverberating inside of my head, but meekness. And then last week we talked about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I brought up the fact, it's kind of interesting that, that, that Jesus didn't say hunger and thirst after God. 
He didn't say hunger and thirst after God. Don't you think that would have been a little bit more cut and dried? But he didn't. He said righteousness. Why? Because righteousness is God. And I want you to... Um, uh, I'm going to read to you Psalm 119, 137. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. Psalm 119, 142. No, sorry. Uh, Psalm 145, 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all of his deeds. For you see, righteousness is who God is. Therefore, righteousness is what God is. See, sometimes when we're going to hunger and thirst for God, we're going to be kind of chasing out what God could do for me. God, I want you because I want to feel good. God, I want you because I... God, I want you because... Uh... So God said, okay, now listen, stop. I want you to change some things up. I want you to don't just hunger and thirst for God. I want you to hunger and thirst for who I am and what I do and how I act. That's a deeper hunger and thirst. Now, all of a sudden, we've gone from outer things to inner things. It's an amazing thing. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. God is going after the heart of you. He doesn't want your outer things, all the, the press of the law that would make you do things and act a certain way. That was great for the Old Testament, but God is moving us into the New Testament through Jesus Christ and through his words. And he's saying now, yes, the outward is important, but I'm now putting my priority, my stamp, my, my thrust now upon what's going on on the inside of you. He wants your heart. He wants the very depths of who you are because Jesus knows that if he owns your heart, he owns you. And he knows that the real, God gave you, each and every single one of you, a heart. And that is your own real estate. You talk about boundaries and all that kind of thing. Your heart is yours and no one else's. And you are completely in control of your heart. You stand at the guard of your, as the guard, the gatekeeper of your heart. Nobody can press their way in. You let them in. You can shut your door to the, anyone's entry into your heart. Your spouse, you can shut that door to them and you can become hard. Or you can open it up to anything that you want to open it up to. You are completely in charge of your heart. And that's the real estate that God is asking you to give him. God is asking you, Jesus is, is begging of you, would I stand at the door of your heart knocking? Will you open it for me that I might come in and sup with you, that I might come in and be a part of your heart? Because your heart is where everything happens. The heart is spiritual. The heart cannot be legislated by outward rules and laws. We learned that last week. I can pass a hundred gun laws in this country. We can pass a hundred whatever laws. I can pass laws about speeding. But if I don't have your heart on the inside, it's not going to, yeah? I could pass a hundred gun laws, but that doesn't stop jealousy and anger and hatred and bitterness and all of that to rise up within a, a soul that would go out and shoot somebody. Because the heart is not legislatable. It is, you can't legislate. Legislation only restricts behavior, which isn't all that bad either. But God goes deeper. Jesus goes deeper. He says, I want your heart. 
So a little farther on in this chapter, and we're going to get to it, you're going to find he says things like, you've heard it said, do not murder. But I say, don't even hate. Don't even be angry. Don't even call someone a fool. Jesus did not preach for a society with zero adultery, murder, and divorce. He preached that he would have zero lust, anger, hatred, and broken covenants. Think about that. That's where he's going. So the next one, the new, the new beatitude for this week is that next verse. And let's read that. Verse 7, bless, nope, 6, sorry. Blessed are the, nope, actually, sorry, I forgot to tell you, we're skipping one. We're skipping one, because I'm so big on this heart thing. Uh, so verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So that's the one we're going to talk about today. Blessed are the pure in heart. Everybody say pure in heart. Pure in heart, for they will see God. The word pure there means no mixture. It means unadulterated. In the Greek, the word means clean and blameless, purified by fire or pure pruning. People, it's easy to follow rules and forget about the heart of the matter. But Jesus's harshest rebuke recorded in the gospel is on Ma in Matthew 23. I want you to open up to Matthew 23. We're going to start with verses, uh, verse, uh, let me make sure, 25. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Basically, he's talking to these Pharisees about the purity of their heart, or should we say the impurity of their heart. Once again, Jesus doesn't just settle with the outside. Because if he settled with the outer behavior, they would probably be the ones that he would be saying, oh, you guys are so good. Oh, you're so good. In fact, a few verses prior to what I just, you, you tithe, even down to your little tiny spice jug, jug you'll take a tenth of that out and, and make sure that you tithe. They were so good on the outside. They did everything right. But Jesus isn't impressed with outside behavior because he knows what's truly important is what's on the inside. And so these people who are doing everything right on the outside, he gave this most scathing rebuke to. Jesus reprioritizes the heart. For you see, God created you, he knits you, he fashions you, he knows every part of you, he deeply loves you and is insanely jealous of you. Not just of your actions, but of your moment-by-moment -moment heart. Deuteronomy 4, 
verses 23 and 24. Be careful. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. The Lord your God has forgiven, forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire and a jealous God. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he is insanely jealous of your heart. Insanely. And he does not want to share even a shred, a smidge, a little corner of your heart with anything else. He wants your heart to be pure. He wants your heart unmixed. He wants your heart unadulterated. The word adultery is a very strong word in the Bible. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But he wants every little bit of your heart. I have a video here I want to show you. It's about three minutes, three and a half minutes long, but it's really fun. I want you to just kind of soak it in, okay? Are we good with that? That castle. Really? Isn't that phenomenal? So they taught you how to fold the napkins? Yes. Oh, wow. I actually, believe it or not, I know how to sew, fold the uh, Sydney Opera House. I don't believe you. No, no, I really do. I, I, I can totally show you. Hang Stop. on one second. I'm very excited. Good evening. Oh, good evening. Have you um, dined, dined with us before? Yes, actually, this is our favorite restaurant. Welcome back. No, babe, I'm pretty sure we've never been here before. No, that's weird. Really? Yeah, no, no, we haven't. Oh, hold that butt just one second. I'm really, really sorry. Oh, no problem. Yeah. So what would you like to order this evening? Uh, yes, sir. So you know what? I think I would like to have that salmon. That, that sounds absolutely wonderful. That's one of my favorites. Oh, great. Yeah, I really like that. And for you, ma'am? Oh, um, I will have the filet mignon and the New York strip and the eight ounce sirloin, all medium rare, please. Yes, fantastic. That is a great choice. <laughs> Thank you. I will get those right out to you. Babe, that's, that's kind of a lot of food, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not just ordering for one, you know. Wait, are you? Are you telling me that we're, are we expecting? Yeah, he'll be here soon. It's a boy? Oh my. <laughs> Yeah, of Oh my gosh, course. babe, okay, this has got to be... There he is the... now. Wait, Hi. What? Oh, bonjour. <laughs> Sorry, I'm late. <laughs> I ordered for you. Oh, thank you. You know me so well. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sorry, do you, do, do you two know each other? Yeah, he is my boyfriend from high school. Your, your boyfriend from, from high school? Babe. Can I ask you what your old boyfriend's doing? <laughs> Did I come at a bad time? No! Yeah. I really don't see the problem here, Justin. Yeah, I really don't see the problem here. Okay, who are you? Honey, stop, you're embarrassing me. I just wanted us to have one nice night at our favorite restaurant. Okay, first of all, I've never been to this restaurant. And, and second, what is going on? Hey, babe, sorry I'm late. Did I miss anything? Okay, seriously? Hey, you... All right, you, you take your hand off her, and you... What is going on? Just sit down. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Angela, is this... Is this some kind of joke? Are you... Are you actually seeing these guys? Justin... I've known these guys longer than I've known you. Wait, what? 
Are you seriously jealous right now? Jealous? Angela, in case you forgot, we're married. Okay, and we spend the majority of our time together. I'm, I love you more than any of my other boyfriends. That's why you'll always be my favorite. Your, your favorite? Is, is there anyone else I need to know about? Babe, is there a problem over here? Okay, really, the waiter? No, Dennis, we're All fine. right, seriously, no. Good, food will be right now. Uh, okay, hey, Angela, Angela, all right. These guys need to go. We need to talk. We're done. I cannot believe this. You are being so selfish. Selfish? Why do you always have to make everything about you? You ruined our favorite restaurant. <sighs> Excuse me. Yeah, I've, I've still never been to this restaurant. <laughs> Funny, but messed up. Pure in heart, no mixture, completely unadulterated. So the Bible speaks of sexual adultery quite a bit. But more, if you were to count it all up and kind of, kind of do a study, he speaks more about spiritual adultery than he does physical adultery. And if any of you guys have ever had a relationship, whether friendship or even marriage, or even you're dating somebody, and adultery becomes a part of that. Where they would, they would, behind your back, when they speak words of commitment, when they speak words of singleness of mind towards you, and then they go when you're not around and seek another. What does that feel like in your heart? Why does that feel funny? I mean, why can't we be like the animals out there and, and just, you know, just whatever, hook up with whichever, whatever, wherever we're at? Why? Because you are made in the image and the likeness of God. And our God is a faithful God. He is single-minded and faithful. And that is woven deep inside of you. And any time that you experience unfaithfulness, any time you experience any kind of that funkiness in relationship, you feel it, don't you? And that's kind of on the outside, but, but God is faithfulness. There's hundreds of scriptures that talk about the faithfulness of God spiritually with us. And we, and he's calling us to this same faithful kind of relationship. He says, come on, let me be your God. Let me be your only God. Let me be this for you because you are the apple of my eye. May I be the apple of your eye. May I be your single love. May I be the one that you love and no one else. The Bible, Old Testament, talks a lot about Israel's spirit, uh, adultery. And adultery is merely just having more than one love. Having others that you, you entertain on the side. But God is a jealous God. His fire burns for you so deeply 
that he doesn't want to share you even for a little smidge. He doesn't want it. Kind of like the lady on the, on the, on the video. Sometimes we're like, well, what's the big deal? I love you more. You're my favorite. But did you see how it hurt him? I could understand he, how he would feel. Jesus calls us to purity of heart with no mixture. So what is spiritual adultery? I want you to turn over to Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 38. Then some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. Sounds okay to me. I mean, hey, he's been doing amazing things. Show me one. Then maybe I'll believe. He answered, this was his answer, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was, the, in, uh, was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they re repented at the preaching of Jonah, but now one who is greater than Jonah is here. So what's the big deal? You're asking me to believe you're God. Jesus, you're asking me to believe that you are the son of God, that you are God. Show me a sign and then I'll believe. Show me a sign and then I'll believe. And when I read this, I'm like, well, show them a sign. Then they'll believe. Case closed. But the problem is, is he'd been showing signs. He'd been doing miraculous things. He's done them all along. But these people are wanting more and more. They just want to see it and be in awe. But even then, the people who, who, who balance their belief and their faith on signs are ones that are truly acting in doubt. So Jesus heals the, the blind man and he believes these people watch and still don't believe. Now, I'm going to get a little bit meddlesome right now. May I? Okay, this is not for you. It's for the person sitting next to you. Don't look at them, but you can always go like that. Many Christians, including myself, have had those moments where I'm asking God for a miracle. I'm asking him to move. I'm asking him to do something. And maybe he doesn't. And then I cry out, God, where are you? Where are you? You could do this. I need you. And our faith begins to waver. Jesus calls that Spiritual adultery. It's the crying out and the believing in God because he does what we want him to do. It's the crying out and the believing because we come first. It's the crying out and, and desiring and only believing when he's miraculous. But he, he says to them, no, I, I will give you the sign of Jonah. Jonah 
was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, and he came out, and he was resurrected. I am going to go into the earth. I am going to rise again. If my hanging on that cross and my going into the grave for you and my coming out alive is not enough for you to continue to trust me and to believe in me, but if you're going to walk around going, show me a sign, show me a sign, you wicked and adulterous generation. I'm sorry, I'm just bringing you the red letters. I'm just bringing you the red letters. Spiritual adultery. Think of the lady with the ones joining her. Blessed are the pure in heart. No mixture, unadulterated, nothing else sitting at the table. Nothing else, just you and Jesus. And you are not quick to walk away from the table like that woman was. You stay there because you're faithful. God is faithful. He never left the table. Amen? What else does Jesus call spiritual, or the Bible calls spiritual uh, adultery? Turn over to James 4. I know this is kind of heavy. It's heavy. Are you with me? It's the kindness and the love of God that draws us to repentance. And I want you to hear Jesus' words that as he cries out to you through these words, I have to give them to you because they're red. I have to give them to you because they're truth. But please hear that they are coming from the kindness of God drawing you into repentance, drawing you into his heart, drawing you to a better place. Amen? James 4. Verse 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Friendship with the world is hatred towards God. What is friendship with the world? What is it? Jesus, we have to walk in this world. You don't understand. It would be so easy to do this thing and be so pure at heart if I didn't have to walk in this world because I still have to interact in this world. I still need money to interact with this world. I need a house. I need people. I need a job. I need, and, and you've, you've wired me in such a way that, that I love success because you are successful and I love beauty because you're beautiful and you've wired me this way, but then you put me in this world and then you tell me that adulterous, spiritual uh, adultery is when I'm friendly with the world. How can this be? What are you asking me to do? Jesus said, be in the world, but not of it. Jesus said, yes, this world, I made this world, I love this world, I understand this world, I set up this world and all of its, its uh, functioning and everything like that, and I put you in this world to be a light for me. And if you will love me more than you love this world, if you will not form friendships with this world, but you will form friendship with me, then you will be my uh, centerpiece to redeem the world. Do not be friends with it. It's kind of like your kids. They do not need you to be their friend. They need you to be their parent. This world doesn't need you to be friends with it. It needs you to be the one that brings heaven down to redeem it. And so Jesus is looking at us going, yes, you need money, but seek me first and then I'll give you money. 
Yes, you need and drive and love success. But you know what? Come to me first and I will give you success. Follow my ways and you will be successful. Seek me first. Seek me first. Seek me first. Be friends with me. Don't be friends with the world. Don't do it on your own. Don't seek after it. Seek me first. Don't be friends with them. Be redeemers of them. Be redeemers of the mammon that God, God gives you. Money is not your salvation. Money is a tool to bring others to salvation. Have an open heart, an open mind, an open spirit. Trust him. Do not be friends with the world. Faithfulness, loyal, true allegiance, pureness, uh, the uh, unadulterated. Lamentations 3, verses 22 through 23 say, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He never gets up from the table. He never walks away. But he wants it just to be a table for two. You and him. Pure in heart. So how do we become pure in heart? How do we become pure in heart? Number one, and write this down, completely, complete allegiance to God alone. Set your mind right now, make a decision. Every day that you wake up, I have allegiance to no one else today but God alone. I do not make allegiance to anything else but God alone. Today, God alone has access to my heart. God alone, God is his word, God and his thoughts, God and his ways. He alone has access to my heart. Bitterness does not have access to my heart. Anger does not have access to my heart. Uh, jealousy does not have access to my heart. Depression does not have access to my heart. Nothing else has access to my heart. Jesus alone has access to my heart. Pure of heart, no other lovers. No other lovers. Turn back over to James 4. It's a great uh, passage. I'm going to start at verse 4, and then I'm going to, this is just a wonderful passage. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend with the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says without reason that the spirit is he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace? Um, skip, uh, skip down now to verse 7. Here's the anecdote to this. Number one, submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. So what do we do to get a pure heart? What do we do to get rid of this? What do we do to become pure in heart? Number one, you submit to God. Make 100% allegiance to him. And when you do that, the devil will flee from you. Amen? Amen. Colossians 3, 1. I, uh, also set your, your, set your mind, set your mind, uh, same thing under this. Colossians 3, 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ, in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Complete 100% allegiance to God. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to do that? This is a good question. 
Or are you going to kind of keep a few grudges and a, a few hurts and a few thises and a few thats, and you got to reserve a little bit for you because what if it doesn't work out and I need to step in? No, 100% complete, unadulterated allegiance to God in your heart. That's step number one. Step number two, going back over to James 4, 4, or 4, now we're down at verse 8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Sounds a lot like uh, that beautiful attitude, blessed are those who mourn. Number one, submit to God. Complete and 100% allegiance to him. Number two, now uh, repent of your other lovers. Repent of anything else you're depending on. Repent of anything else that you've allowed in your heart. Repent of it. Repent of it. But don't just repent. He's just like, you know, I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't do that. No, he's saying, no, listen. And this is New Testament. He's talking New Testament. This is not Old Testament. He says, wail, mourn, scream, yell cry, expend some emotional energy here. He wants you to pay, not pay, but he wants you to, he wants you to engage in the shunning of it. He wants you to engage in the shunning of it. Not just that, you know, I'm sorry I did that. That doesn't sound like Jesus. You know, Jesus is grace and mercy. And blah, blah, blah. Yes, he is. But he want, want, this is New Testament. Wash your hands. Change your laughter to mourning. Your joy to gloom. Humble yourself. I have to take very seriously in my heart. Anytime I grieve the Holy Spirit, I can't just go, oh. Oh, wow. Sorry. Now, am I saying you got to walk on glass and beat yourself? No, but you know what? The Lord wants to know that you really don't want it anymore. That you kind of don't want it anymore. That you're serious. Repent and humble yourself. Psalm 51 is pretty amazing. Have mercy on me, O God. This is David. After his murder and plotting and hatred and jealousy and adultery have mercy yet the same man who god calls the one that has a heart after him have mercy on me O god according to your unfailing love according to your great compassion blot out my transgression wipe away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for i know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you and only you have i sinned wait you killed uriah you, 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 you're saying here that against God and only God you have sinned? Yes. We can't lose sight that when we do things, it harms God. It hurts his heart. Against you and only you have I sinned and done this evil that's in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time of my mother's conception. Surely you have desired, you desire truth in the inner parts. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Hear me, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create 
in me a pure heart. Create in me a pure heart. Now I'm New Testament. I'm a faith preacher. I'm a grace gal. I love grace. But the act of repentance, the act of shunning those things that harm God, that are not like him. Remember I told you he is righteous and he is righteousness. And he, he, he is it and he does it. But we have to always keep in mind that sin is real and sin is bad. And sin is something I must take very seriously and I must shun. Can I just say those words? I don't think those words are said much in America. We have to take it seriously. We truly do. I will tell you that if you confess your sins, he is what? What? Faithful and just to forgive you of every sin you've ever committed. He does not get up from the table and walk away. There's never a sin that you've committed that he will say, I'm sorry. He is faithful. He stays at the table. And he embraces you and says, come on. But I have to impart into you what is a part of a pure heart. A pure heart knows how to humbly repent and shun sin. The very thing that just harms God's heart and separates us from him. Is that okay? We got to know this, right? Thirdly, soak in his word. Soak in his word. Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his ways pure? Hmm, pure? Unmixed, unadulterated. By living according to your word, I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. And with my lips I recount all the laws that have come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes. As one rejoices in great riches, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees and I will not neglect your word. You want to be pure in heart? Saturate yourself with the word of God. Saturate. There's many words out there to be saturated in. All day long I hear words coming in my head all the time. There's talk radio. There's TV. There's Facebook. There's all sorts of words coming in my head. But I'll tell you what, if I can saturate my brain with the word of God at first, it's like all the stuff that isn't right will just beat up and roll off. Saturate yourself. I need the band to come. Pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Pure, pure, pure. Think of crystal clear, pure water. There's not one particulate in there. There's nothing else. It's just clean, clear water. You can see through it. Now it's translated. You can see through it. This is why the, the beatitude has the promise connected to it that you will see God. And I would like to bring before you, people of God, that any amount of particulate, any amount of things that don't quite belong in that heart is only going to muddy the water in your relationship with God. 
If you want to see God, then as you remove from yourself impurities that are in your soul and, and double-mindedness and all of that, as that goes, you're going to look around and you're going to start seeing God everywhere. Because your vision will become clear as your heart becomes pure. Amen? Pure in heart. Unadulterated. No mixture. As we remove the duplicity, we stop straddling the fence, but we devote our heart and life to glorifying God alone. We will begin to remove confusion and begin to see God. Let's all stand. My prayer coming into today, I knew it was going to be a tough one. I could have gone many different ways with this sermon. I could have just kept it light and talked about keeping it, keeping it pure in, in a light way. But the Spirit kept saying, talk to him about adultery. And I kept saying, I don't like adultery. That's not nice. It's not comfortable. It's not happy. But the Lord would say, as my people draw nearer to me, as my people, remember the heart, the heart, the heart, the heart. When he gets into the heart, he does things in there. And he wants to inhabit the whole heart. And he wants to encourage you to tell those extras that are sitting around the table with you and Jesus that maybe it's time to go and that your commitment at this moment is to the Lord alone. Would you with me just close your eyes right now? And I want you all to just, oh, I don't know. If you got a spouse standing next to you, if you got a friend, just hold their hand. If you can, if you're not a touchy-feely, just don't worry about it. I understand. But would you take a moment right now and just make allegiance to God alone? Would you to meet with me right now? Would you just once again say, and you can't say it enough, God, you're my, you're, you're my lover. You're my only one. You're my only one. I I allege myself to you. I what do you do? I commit myself to you. Satan, I rebuke you out of my life. I do not want anything else. I only want you. I will only seek you. I will only look after you. I will only run after you. I will not rely on anything else in my life but you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And right now, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is probably dropping a few things. Honey, if you would just let go of this. If you would just realign your mind just a little bit, letting go of the reliance on that thing and rely on me, that thing will be fulfilled by me right now, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever Whatever brings fear into your heart, let it go right now. Just repent of it. Repent of it. Repent of it. Repent of it. Repent. Repent. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now I just want you to 
Commit to soaking in the word this week. Commit to soaking in the word. Now, finally, I just want you to gaze into, into Jesus' eyes across the table, and I want you to tell him how much you love him. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father God. You are my God. You are my God. You are my God. You are my lover. You are my God. None other but you in Jesus' name. None other but you, O oh Father God. And I believe the word says that as I seek you, you will fulfill all things in my life. And I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I am insanely in love with you. I choose you. God chose you. He chose to create you. He chose to weave you together in your mother's womb. And he made you exactly how you are and how he wanted you to be because he's insanely in love with you and he's chosen you and then he gave you a free will and he's saying now what are you going to do with your will will you choose me will you choose me and father god i throw my hands in the air right now and i say i choose you i choose you I choose you, I choose you, I choose you in Jesus' name. I choose you. You are my lover, you are my lover, you are my lover in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We're going to worship. I just want you to stay right here in this for as long as you can. If you've got to go, you've got to go. But I'm telling you what, just take a moment and make your heart pure. Do some more purification in your heart on your end. And the Holy Spirit meets you and he purifies you with righteousness and with his goodness and with glory and with his forgiveness in Jesus' name. Praise you, Jesus. online today whether it's live streaming or whether you're watching a recording thank you so much for taking the time to join in part of what we're doing the best thing i can say about pastor joel's message today is is commit is take that time today to if you're listening and and look at your relationship with god if god's not getting up and he's not walking away from the table and he's staying there are you staying at the table are you willing to stay there and to sit with him and the amount that he's willing to engage with you and hold tight to you, are you willing to hold tight to the one that loves beyond circumstance, that gives mercy beyond circumstance, that gives grace beyond circumstance? I would say, are you willing to commit just as much? Be it, whether it be the first time that you've never had a relationship with Christ before today, or if you have had a relationship with him for years and you're just wondering where you fall and where that relationship is and things that pulled your attention, I would say easily just turn back and look sit back down and look in his eyes and lock gaze and let him speak to you and let him guide you into where he can redirect you father we thank you so much lord that that you are the voice of love the voice of mercy the voice of grace but you are also an aggressive strong and courageous voice in our lives and it is all still rooted in such powerful beautiful love to see the best in us to see how you designed us father and i thank you that you're going to speak that to those who aren't here god you're going to pull them back in and you're going to pull them back into that place of covenant father we give you the glory and the honor and the praise jesus and we pray god show us that you don't remove yourself god you don't pull away you don't take yourself in jesus name amen thank you again so much for joining us make sure to check us out on youtube hit subscribe whether you're streaming on facebook however you might be watching keep joining us and come check us out in person in five washington we love you we bless you and pray you have an amazing week